I get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly And I'm Stephanie March. And you are here. I'm and last week. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> you had an opportunity to chat with our friend Molly. And you guys talked about traveling and eating on the road. Yes, we did. We talked a little bit about what it's like to go on a trip. And, you know, for as foodie people, we always, you know, plan, I think, to have food as part of the adventure. But yet we're often not on foodie trips when with our kids or our husbands or you know what I mean like there's family foodies for sure but then there's also um when you're there for another reason and this is a part of the deal and I'm planning a trip to Boston in September with my sister and my stepmom who would not be they're not really foodies I know what they like it's not the same thing as like what I would pick so I have to like pick restaurants for us and I have to pick with sort of their tastes in mind. Yeah. And we, I was just mentioning to you that it's hard to know when you're going to go to another city or you're going to go traveling, like where to eat. Is there no, okay. So obviously Yelp is a thing that I, th- I know that people who don't like Yelp locally say that they use it in other towns because they have no, you know, when they're going to Boston, where they're going to Tennessee, they're going to places, they think, well, I'll just see what the Yelp people there think because they and I know that a lot of people don't like it but then use it in other cities I well, think let's that's just funny talk about Yelp for a second okay I think that people not in the business look at Yelp and they're just like oh yeah and particularly small smaller towns smaller communities Yelp is like one of the only resources that maybe has been there or has been crowdsourced or people posted pictures about their restaurant so if I'm looking for a restaurant in say like uh, Cambridge Minnesota I Yelp will probably come up first as the source because it's not like, you know, TripAdvisor has done a whole recap on Cambridge, Minnesota. So I do look at it for the smaller town pieces. But I think that like the foodie people in a lot of these towns know that Yelp maybe isn't the most reliable. And the reason it isn't is because it's what it's crowdsourced and paid for reviews typically. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's and it's, you know, yeah, it's it's basically when you crowdsource anything on mass like that it's you just don't know you just don't know who you're talking to you know what i mean the person who gives it five stars is someone who maybe you know gives a restaurant five stars is someone maybe who just really likes cilantro and that's why they gave it a five star right there's no there's no uh there's there's no metric that is sort of credible in the yelp sphere and that's the problem with it that's why when someone God, there was an article out recently locally that was like, Butcher and the Boar is the best reviewed restaurant in the country. And it was like, well, they were picked in Minnesota as the best reviewed on Yelp. But again, what does that mean? Like, it's the best reviewed on Yelp. Who are these people? Why are they, you know, how many, no one said how many were sampled to make that. Was it all of them? Was it every single person who entered in? Was it, who, is it like, does it take into account Janie and her five stars because she got super drunk and loved a hot dog? Or does it not take into account, you know, uh, Peter who gave it two stars because the service was so bad? 
you know, and, and like has, has actual claims to like, and, and substantiates it. It's all just a big mob. Yeah. And and that's hard. It's particularly, so when I look at like a, I'm going to go to a city. Yeah. I use Yelp as like a third or fourth resort and I'm usually using it to double check something. So if you're going to go somewhere, do you like, I look at, in, I look for city magazines. Yeah, I do too. I really do. Not to like blow your Minneapolis St. Paul magazine horn, but I'm going to. Yeah. Any city that you're in, those people work and live in that city most yeah. likely. So even like a wear magazine is a lot of times published by local people. So I will check. Although they're paid. That's the only problem with wear magazines. Even in the listings. The listings for sure are paid. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I know that the articles are a lot of times yeah. advertorials. No, the listings are paid. Okay. Like you're there because you're paying. You know what I mean? Yep. There'll be other ones in there too, but for sure. Okay. But, and I, and the city magazines are great because they are, I think, you know, but the hard part is they all have, there some people you can't find them. Like, do you know that the Denver city magazine is called 5280? I will usually Google city magazine Denver. And yeah. Then it'll come I suppose. Up. But no, I didn't know yeah, that. And that's I mean, a great magazine, by You know, the way. and there's Portland Monthly, and then mm-hmm. there's, you know, Los Angeles. And so, yes, I agree with you. That is a great way to go. And because we are the people who are doing the lists, and we're trying to give service to our eaters. And so, and across, this is across the magazine universe of city regionals, is that we know that we are providing that exact service that you as a traveler or visitor or a, a local want, which is just putting out information and opinions that is credible and you know, and measured. I will go to the daily newspapers, newspapers too. too. And then I will also look at the alternative newspapers in that town. Yes. If there was, if there is one, particularly if you're looking for nightlife or music things, yeah. the alternative newspapers usually do a great job of covering that. Do you like use TripAdvisor at all? So usually when I'm Googling a place, like if I might say Boston food, you know, just like, or, or restaurants Boston and I see TripAdvisor, you know, I click into it to kind of get a sense, but I don't use it, I guess. I have never understood TripAdvisor very much. And I get it, it's, it's sort of the Yelp thing, but I also sort of feel like it's weird to think that a traveler who is there for one, maybe two times... I, I guess the theory of you drop into a place, you have an experience and you leave it to me is harder as a measure because you don't, are they having an off day? Is it happened to be the chef just quit, but you don't know that because you just went there for the day. Well, and I think too, cause I do, I've written a couple reviews on trip advisors, not for restaurants, but of like experiences like a dive shop, that kind of thing. If you're going to write an experience, you either, I think have had a great experience or a terrible experience. I feel like there's yeah. very little that's like in the middle because what would inspire you to write enough about the hot dog that you had at Jimmy's Hot Dog Shop? If it was a good hot dog, you know, but a good hot dog's like a three. Like yeah. an awesome hot dog would be a five. And what would make that hot dog awesome? You know, it's kind of subjective. Yeah. And it so is. a lot of times I'm like using then TripAdvisor almost to look at pictures to kind of reconfirm if I've already got my thoughts. And then I, I still, I'd use open table too, because I'm trying to get reservations in a lot of these places. So if they're highly rated on open table, then I start to look around and I'll compare like, well, what does the city magazine think? Or what does the newspaper think of this highly rated open table restaurant? Cause it could be, you know, Bridgman's or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, the uh, open table is, I think I have a friend who is a huge open table advocate and he says, he's like, well, I just think it's a better class of diner on there. And I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's actually true, but it's also, um, you know, a little bit, 
I think it still gets swayed. You know what I mean? Like Open Table is using data and metrics in their own ways to sure. catapult people to different places. And I think that, you know, they put out their list of the top rated foodie spots and then and they want me to publish them. And I'm like, no, this is not, I don't know your data. I don't know your metric. I don't know the reasoning behind it. Why would I give you the credibility of my endorsement for this when, even if I agree on your restaurant, if I do say that Spoon and Stable Open Table is named it the foodiest place in town, what, I mean, it's very strange to give that credence when I don't have any understanding of how or why they're saying it. At Voyage Healthcare, we are still open and ready to see you for injuries, chronic conditions, med checks, and acute care. If you are concerned about safety, call to schedule a video visit. If you believe you've been exposed to the coronavirus or are experiencing any symptoms, please do not come into the office. We can best serve you if you call our coronavirus hotline at 763-587-7900. That number is also found at the voyagehealthcare.com webpage. At Voyage Healthcare, we are here on the journey with you. So what do you do? You, Stephanie March, food editor, all of these things matter to you. You have a different viewpoint than the average Joe. So I want to find, to me, there's a couple different things. If I'm going to go traveling and I'm going to go to a town, let's pretend I am going to, well, okay. So if I'm doing it for me versus what I do for somebody else, but what I want to do for somebody else, I have a friend who was in Leon, who was going to Leon for one day for the, was going to be there for one day for the Women's World Cup. Okay. And uh, and this is in France, obviously. And it was, they were like, I could, I know that I could hit a million places. I don't, I want to hit like three places. And so I extend what I know about it. And then I look for, this is a place that's not going to have a city regional magazine. So yep. first thing I did was honestly, I texted Gavin Kaysen because I know that he knows the. <laughs> okay. But that doesn't count. But this is what I'm saying. Text but I would also text someone who I knew had been there recently. And it was like, so to me, I would have said, if you, first of all, hit up your people. Like, if you're going to Japan and you want to know, then if you knew that somebody was just in Japan, you ask them first. Mecca Boss is apparently going to Bangkok because she just on Facebook, like, oh. where should I eat in Bangkok? I was like, yeah. okay, I don't know, but and I hope I someone does know. And I necessarily don't know if I would put it on the Facebook, you know, I, I mean, if you know somebody and you can trust where they ate or you knew they had a good time, then that's great. Um, so that would always be my first thing. But then the second thing is, is I do a search of like, I do kind of look in the search of the town and if I can find an English speaking, especially in other foreign countries, an English speaking blog or oh. an English speaking, um, because the food blogs to me, they have a vested interest in explaining more, um, and so I kind of searched through a couple different blogs and I had, I went through a friend who I knew lived in Germany and she had, uh, she often travels. And so she had, I looked on her blog and I searched Leon and I found she had written up these three burger spots and she was like, these are the best burger spots. So I could trust her. Yeah. And though, and so then I knew that. And then, and then I sort of looked through, um, I've looked through different articles like from travel and leisure, like the bigger scopes, but I also want to see their dates. I would say that this is important when you are looking at something that says these are the five hottest neighborhoods in, you know, in, in France or in, in, in Paris. And so then you go and you look at that. And what if that was 2016? Things have changed. Yeah. And so make sure that if you are searching those big national pubs that you watch what the dates are. But for instance, I saw one that said that had a great neighborhood for drinking. And so I looked at the neighborhood and then I Googled the neighborhood all by itself. And I found, you know, uh, a couple cocktailians and some people, international bartenders who I may know or know of. And they had said, you can't miss this cocktail bar. 
And so then I sent them that. That's so interesting. You really go about it in a more research sort of way. I don't want to believe. I mean, it's not that I don't want to believe the masses, but if I'm looking for really what is something special and not necessarily even just off the beaten path, but something that is enough to get the attention of people and not companies, you know, that's to me the difference. If you can personally advocate for something, I'm interested in that. So here's just a totally random question. You're in the Twin Cities. You're going to be the authority on this. But let who would you that's not working at a journalist who's not a media person, whose recommendation would you take for looking in the Twin Cities? I think that's too hard to say because I, I mean, I know it all. I mean, I mean, it's, I don't want to say I know it all, but I mean, there are people who I, I, there are friends who are eaters who are like, tell me things. And then that's, but I mean, I'd have to trust somebody who is either off of like different than what I already know. Like maybe someone who is like, well, I'm, oh, here's a good example. Maybe a vegetarian who is like looking for just vegetarian or vegan stuff. I wouldn't necessarily, I know of places, but I don't think I could speak professionally. I could like on a really minute scale of things, but it's hard. This is a harder space for me because I'm, I'm, in it. In it. Yeah. Completely. But I mean, you know, I have friends who used to live in Chicago. And then I, so I asked them, I'm like, how, you know, who do you know down there? Since you're not there anymore, do you still have friends who are down there? And where do they say, where do they say are the hotspots? I feel like I should write up a list of places to eat in the Twin Cities just so when people ask, like yeah. you can just say, here's the list. And but I'm not I think into there's so many up, of those. So. I know. And that's the other part. You're not into keeping it up. So yeah. then. So I can say what the list is today, but it right. could be totally different a year from now. And that's the problem I have with like, you know, the old heavy table. They used to do that. And even Eater Twin Cities, you know, they have these like. Hot lists. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that they updo, they, you know, redo them every month. And so it's like the July hot list. There's 38 essential restaurants or whatever. Um, the heat map, they call it. But I also don't, you know, that also is one of those places, things, and, you know, it gets kind of, it, when they do visitor guides, you know, and like when you're right. coming to the Twin Cities, these are the places to hit. I sort of feel like those have to be fluid, and they also have to be um, a little bit more tailored. Like, I think that, so Bon Appetit just did their first, their 100 uh, restaurants to visit. And the funny thing is, that they basically have a national landscape and they have to know and look at things. And their first Bon Appetit 100, by the way, is um, shockingly like the MSP 50, which is the fact that they, for the first time, and they acknowledge this in this huge statement of like, we're not just doing fine dining and fine, you know, like these places, we're looking at truck stops that have amazing chicken sandwiches and we're doing all this other stuff because that's how you eat, which is completely the ethos that we have been doing at our magazine for the last like five years. Because it's not about the best. It's about who are you and how do you want to eat. And the best is like, you know, sometimes you want the best chicken slider and you want to go sit at the Lex and just tuck into that delicious little mouthy morsel. And that's the best for you that day. But it's not the same to compare like an experience of eating at Demi to this delicious chicken slider that you can get at the bar at the Lex. Right. It's like you're comparing an apple and an orange. They're fruit, but that's well, about all. And I think we used to come at best restaurants as a metric. And there was, and, and quite honestly, we still do internationally. The Michelin Guide is a very respected thing. And you get these stars or flowers because of these certain criteria that you have met. Right. And so then it's, and it is this upper level of dining. It is the top. It's the cream of the yep. crop. And so I think all of us, you know, who are also in this space of evaluating, you know, restaurants for people think, 
we have to do the same thing. We have to hold. And for a long time, that's what it's been. It's like, who, where would you take a dining critic from out of town? And how would you, you know, those are the best restaurants. And, and so then we did that for a long time. And it started to feel the way that the popular, I mean, when, when things are just special occasion dining, that's fine. But now we all eat so differently and we're looking for that same quality in a different experience. The way that dining is experience is churning. Fine dining is cracking and, and falling off. And yet you have a lunch counter coming up and they're doing the same quality, the same techniques, the same things, but it's casual. Why couldn't you have that still in the same sphere of influence for the way you eat? So this is why we choose that. So if someone was coming to town and they said to me, what are the best restaurants? I'll say, what do you want? Yeah. It's a more nuanced conversation. Where are you going? And if they say, well, we're going to the Aquatennial tonight and we want to eat somewhere before my mind goes, okay, well, you're going to go and sit and watch fireworks and you're going to be casual. So you probably don't want to be in a place that's all stuffy and buttoned up and you don't want to eat a super fine food. You want to eat something a little more, you know, a little more gutsy. Yeah. Yeah. So I might say go to Zenbox Izakaya, which is a great ramen. You can get some sushi there and it's top. It's the best in the city. And then you can walk to your fireworks. Like that to me is exactly the same kind of, that is going to make them a better best night than for me to say, you know, go to Spoon and Stable or go to, you know, go to, uh, go to the Lexington. Right. You know what I mean? So a lot of this is when you're thinking about traveling and you're thinking about finding things, you have to kind of gauge yourself, I think, and, and recommendations and, and stuff into what are you also looking for? Not just what are they recommending? What are you looking for? You know what else is weird? So usually when we travel, I try to go to one place that is kind of a foodie place and they'll indulge me sort of one. And whenever I end up going, like Husk was uh, a place that we went in um, Charleston. And then I think we even went there in Nashville too. Oh no, we went to B uh, something B in Nashville. And these are like the hot places and they're their foodie places. And you're like, oh, huh. Like, it didn't even compare to yeah. some of the great places that we have here that are not even in our top five. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're just a different quality of food town and it's coming along and their food town is different. You know, Charleston is a great food town, but it's different. Nashville's a, a up and coming food town, but it's different. I always end up coming home to the Twin Cities and feeling like, wow, we are so lucky. Yeah. We just have, we have a great like ethnic food scene. We have a great dive bar food scene. We have a lot of good comfort food. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of farm to table type food. And we have these, you know, places like Demi and Spoon and Stable. And um, help me think of... uh, Travail. Yes. Thank you. They they like bust through all sorts of boundaries. And, And here we are in the Twin Cities. And it's cool that people are finally recognizing us, but I want it to be that they don't recognize us too much too, you know? I don't want to become like where all the bachelorettes come for their bachelorette oh, party. Oh, Nashville. Yeah, you know, and they're having that in Charleston too. And It's way too cold for that to happen here. It's never going to happen. I hope. It's way, that's why we like, like Prince says, keeping it cold keeps the weirdos out. It, I think that that's true. Yeah, I think that there's also a thing of, of um, traveling to other places. And, you know, for instance, going to Chicago when I was there in May for the Beards, it was like, oh, there's so many better places than we get. And and it's like, it's just different and it's just hard, but they do have like, it's easier to find a great taco shop there than it is here, you know? And it's easier, they're just more of them because it's a bigger city. It's more population dense. 
and everything. But yet, when you say then you look at our food truck scene versus like you know, uh, there's so many more bad things too. Is my point? It's like that's why when people are like, oh, well, he ran a restaurant in New York. Well, I'm like, I don't care. There is some crappy stuff in New York. A lot of just because stuff. you're on New York doesn't make you like, oh, your restaurant is automatically better. There's a chance because there's a lot more of them that it's better. But I think for per capita and per ratio and all that kind of stuff, we are doing a pretty great job. Yeah. And if you look at some of the other, like the East Coast, you know, they think that they're the epicenter of life because of the political spectrum. And Washington, D.C., like there's not a just ton of great restaurants there. Mm-mm. There just isn't. Mm-mm. No, it never has been. No. Like I opened a buka there and, you know, like... 10, 20, almost 20 years ago. And it was just like, it was just painful. And but maybe the scene's changing there too. It is. I'm sure it is. You know, I have a friend who just went on a trip to Italy and he, what well, it was Pete Campbell from Red Wagon. And he went on a trip to Italy with his family and he was like, I'm just going to go, you know, and we're just going to go. And we, they went with another set of friends and they basically said, I don't want to plan anything uh-huh. i just want to know i want to drop into a couple places where we have like hotels or we have airbnbs and we can all stay but like i don't want it to be where we have reservations at this night and we do this yeah it was just like let's just see how it goes let's just discover as we go and some of the things that he saw and did and and got to experience were amazing because it was just organic i will say italy is a fantastic place to do that because Every neighborhood has a flavor, has a feel, and the food is generally pretty good. So yeah. you can do that and have a great experience. If you take that same tack and you do that in Paris, which is I've done, I end up sorely disappointed. Yeah, I don't think it's a, you're right. I don't think it's like a, but I think that's the difference of it's not a tourist. And if he was in Florence, he probably wouldn't have had that. If he went to Venice, he basically went to like little tiny countryside towns and just sort of hit, you know, just wandered through the countryside. Yep. And so, because I agree the bigger cities are set up for tourism and then that becomes that becomes the glaring thing that is easily it's hard to ignore and hard to move past i think you can even do that in venice and florence and milan oh you think but paris I do. is just harder i just think paris and and maybe it's because you have this expectation of like this because you know culinary originated there this this fine dining experience this just french food and i don't know italy just seems to knock it out of the park even at the worst places and France, you're just like always on the search for the thing. That's yeah. It's like, oh, this is it? Huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. Like even some of the, you know, if you can't get a good croissant in France, you're, there's just something wrong. Just something wrong. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Or you didn't try very hard. Best burger of my life was, a, was in France, actually. Really? And it was, you guys, this was like 20 years ago. And it was a burger on a plate with an egg on top. It was the very first egg on a burger I'd ever had. Huh. And it was gorgeous. And it was some random little place that we stopped in. And do you think that that was like truly the best or was it the first or was it the memory of At where the you At the moment, had it? it was the first. Yeah. I mean, like it was the first time someone put an egg on a burger for me. And you were like, oh. oh. And it was like a beautiful sear and the beef was gorgeous and it's just better quality ingredients, you know, and it was, it was great. But I kind of... Yeah, you're on vacation. That's the other side of it, like what you're saying. When you're on vacation, everything tastes better. And when you're sitting in Croatia at some seaside village and the mom is scaling the fish you're going to eat with her scaling tool that I swear to God is from the 1800s. Yeah. And there's cats 
picking up the fish guts that she's leaving behind and you see the dad over there stoking the fire that's going to be I mean yeah like that whole experience just by the time that fish comes to your plate yeah you're just like oh yeah for the foodist yeah I guess that was the same thing of watching them grill the scallops in Japan in the market and we're sitting there and we're watching her pull the shells out of this bucket of water and then she's cracking them open. She's taking out the scallops. She's putting them on this charcoal grill that they're stoking right behind her. And she just says, flip, flip, flip. And then she hands it to you. And you're just like, Ugh. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that's the reason why better. traveling is so awesome right well, I there. Think, and that's like, you can't get a reservation. You can't, you know, like that little moment that isn't a thing that is scripted. It's not. It's just discovered and found. And I know the younger generations are so much better at that. And actually, that's why it's better now to look at blogs and things like that. As long as you can get ascertain who that person is and, like, why they're writing what they're writing, I think it's better than the travel sites. And for those of you that ask me, like, I get a lot of people that, like, oh, you just went to Barcelona. Where did you eat? Like, what would you recommend? I don't really do that. I know. Because There's... I just discover and explore and, like, if I'm with my uncle, he's got an itinerary and I can tell you his itinerary and what he had on it. But for Kurt and I, we just sort of like... You know what's a good idea is I think for because of that same thing is what I try to do is like when people go to Barcelona, I said, well, you have to go to the market, Las Ramblas. Yeah. Like I point them to areas and I say the neighborhood, you know, is a really cute neighborhood to wind yourself around behind, you know, the Palace of Fine Arts or something like that. And like do like go and search out the Gaudi thing and look for the wine bars down there. So I kind of if you can point people and actually that Tacos El Pastor thing we were talking about on Netflix, there's, you know, they were saying this one street has all these authentic things. It wasn't about who was there. It was just like head toward this area. Well, and I think areas beget a flavor. Like if you look at just Northeast, right? So Anchor Fish and Chips, the Modern Cafe, like that was sort of the beginning of the Renaissance there. Then it was Erte and the Peacock Lounge and now Young Joni is over there and Maeve and that whole neighborhood is becoming a place that's a destination where you can get lots of cool things in that one little neighborhood. Yeah. I like how neighborhoods beget success with other places. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we have a lot of great neighborhoods, but there's new ones churning all the time. I mean, the whole Keg and Case and West 7th Street is sort of evolving. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of evolution in North, which has been a long time coming. Yeah. No, I do too. And that'll be interesting to then have to communicate that again to people from out of town and like, yeah. get them to understand things. But we'll, and we'll do it. Exactly. All right. Well, okay. that is this episode of the Second Helpings of Weekly Dish. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao. This is a summer to stay connected locally. From the pandemic to protests to the upcoming election, there is so much information to take in. And on PodMN, you can access hundreds of Minnesota-made podcasts on one app. Current events, health information, political talk. Plus, you'll find podcasts about sports, true crime, and more. PodMN also comes with listener rewards. In July, you can win gift cards to local restaurants, shops, and more just for listening. Download PodMN on your phone's app store or learn more by visiting PodMN.com. Minnesota Podcasts live here.